0: This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together podcast. I am here to serve, encourage, and inspire you in your journey as a special needs mom. This is your tribe. This is your community, your place to be reminded that you are not alone. Please follow along as I share stories, inspiration, and resources just for you. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year 2021. Oh, my gosh. So many months ago, there was so much hope for 2021. And here we are. It is still a strange time. I hope that we can all still be filled with hope and intentions and resolutions and goals and dreams not in a hustle kind of way, not in a you should kind of way, not in a pressure kind of way, but just in a way that is loving yourself, taking care of yourself, nurturing you so that you can be the best you for your family. We're going to start off this year, this season number two of the Brave Together podcast, talking about self-care. Don't roll your eyes don't turn off this episode. I promise we've got great thoughts for you and speakers, and I hope that you will see it in a whole new light. Today, I want to share that self-care is a curse word. Well, actually, no, it's not, but I think that we think it is, and it's part of a lot of motherhood myths. I want you today to just begin this time imagining it's a crazy busy Monday morning. You're rushing to get your kids and yourself to work, kids off to school, backpacks are flying into the car, instruments and sports bags are being shoved in the trunk. You wrestle your preschooler into her booster seat. Everyone is tucked in with seatbelts locked in securely. You have your coffee, your phone, your key, your purse, and your lunch in your two hands, and you jump into your minivan. You are too busy, too distracted to buckle yourself, and you back out of your driveway and bam, into your neighbor's car. You scream. You check your kids, but they were safely buckled. Then you catch a glimpse of yourself in the rearview mirror, and you are bleeding from your forehead. And suddenly you feel blindingly dizzy. Your husband and your neighbor run to your aid. And you remember, ah, my seatbelt untouched. You whisper to yourself, I will never say that again. I am too busy to buckle in lesson learned in today's episode. I want to share with you about self-care. That is your stress management tool. It's a two-word phrase that's thrown around, and sometimes our responses to this involves eye rolls, head nods, smirks, or big yeses and decisions to commit to self-care practices. I want to plant two seeds today in your mind and soul. Your health, your physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and marital or relational health matters the most in your family. The other thought, it's not my own thought, but I love it. And I am borrowing it from my friend, Susanna Peace Laval who is an amazing life coach to special needs families. And she says, self-care is not indulgent or decadent. It is a necessity. Now, for me, after teaching and preaching on this topic for many years, I've come to believe that there are myths surrounding self care and motherhood that block our paths to taking care of ourselves. We believe that being a good mother, a successful mother, a loving mother is synonymous with being a martyr mother. Myth number one is I am a good mother. If I devote all my time and energy solely to my family, time is precious. It's a precious commodity in the life of a special needs mother. I get that we have extra appointments, therapies, specialists, IEP meetings on top of all our usual household and work responsibilities. Ask any caregiving mom and they will say they have no time in capital letters to breathe, to exercise, to have a hobby, to have personal space. Many moms feel any time I do have is meant for my family. Years ago, when I was talking to a life coach, I said, I am so busy. She immediately responded to me. You own your life, Jessica. You own your schedule. You are not a victim to your schedule and day you decide exactly how you spend your hours. The same amount of hours as everyone else. Ouch. And yet, something shifted in me. I felt empowered. I do own my life. Yes, there might be some unmovable parts to my day or week, and I do have choices. If I, this is theoretical, if I am spending so much time going to therapies, or sports, or tutors with my child, that leaves me no room for me I can choose to skip one of those appointments. Why do we think that we are good mothers? If we never take any time for ourselves, who sold us that message? Why don't we question this? Think about what you're modeling for your children. Is this how you want your children to act as parents someday? How does this affect your marriage? In your friendships. We get stuck here in the, I don't have time zone because we are stuck in a limiting belief that says there's not enough time in a day for everyone's needs to be met. If we shift that and remember the truth is self needs and family needs can be met. Notice that I didn't say family wants. It's very important to distinguish between the two. Your family may want a home-cooked meal every night. They don't need one. If you choose to offer frozen pizza and a salad kit once a week because that gives you time to go for a walk or read or knit or stop and meditate for 10 minutes, then so be it. We do have choices. Myth number two. I should feel guilty and shameful if I have my own dreams or hobbies or practices that bring me joy outside of my family life. I have this theory. If we attach all our worth and value and our identity to motherhood, we will always feel guilt and shame about engaging in any activities outside of family or family responsibilities. If we think We are only allowed to be fulfilled by our duties as mothers or parents. We will never give ourselves permission to do things outside of that. If we attach our worth and value to how well our special needs child is doing, then we will never stop and think, oh, how am I doing? How's my heart? How's my mental health? Our worth is not dependent on how well our household is organized or structured or decorated or provided for. We have worth because we breathe because we are humans. Guilt likes to say to us, makes us think I don't deserve to stop caring for everyone else to care for myself. Guilt wants us to believe that it is wrong to take mommy breaks. Shame says, I am not measuring up as a mom when I choose exercise over making a Pinterest-worthy breakfast. I know that's silly, but there are shame messages that we accept that we are not measuring up when we don't do everything we can every minute of the day for our families. I, I call this false guilt and false shame. Guilt is about you doing something wrong, actually wrong. Shame accuses you of being wrong at your core. Again, who taught us that engaging in yoga or exercise or a writing group or a book club or a side hustle that brings you joy is wrong? Yes, if you leave your children unsupervised all day so that you can go to the gym, well, then maybe you should look at that. Question that. It's a safety issue. I don't mean to encourage any reckless or unsafe or irresponsible behavior, not at all. Myth number three, I am the only one who can take care of my child or my children. This is another limiting belief. And for those of you who are just hearing this term, limiting belief for the first time, I will define it. It's something you believe to be true and factual that limits you In some way, the limiting belief could be about you or about other people or the world. Sometimes we believe this out of fear that I'm the only one who can take care of my child or my children. Our child may have seizures or is medically fragile or is so difficult due to anxiety or behaviors. Moms and maybe dads too have a very hard time asking for help. Time and again, I have seen mentor moms offer to walk other moms through the process of getting respite hours or finding trustworthy sitters. And Moms will say no, or they drop the ball. I have mentored moms myself that tell me they have a hard time trusting others due to their own traumas, to which I respond. With compassion and love and a plea. If you do not take the chance to trust another person to help take care of your child, you will burn out and someone else will be forced to jump in anyways. And may I add, in our life, in our family's experience, we have had Amazing angels cross our paths through the years who have helped with Ryan. You will be so touched by the lovelies that come into your family's life. Trust. Give it a try. We don't have family that offers to help us or that seem necessarily willing to take Ryan for the day or the weekend as Ryan has gotten more challenging over the last 10 years, and I I don't blame him, but I will not sacrifice my health just because I fear the process of finding or training and trusting people in my home with Ryan. I will not sacrifice dates with my other children or date nights with Chris or a girls trip. I decided long ago without guilt that my health and my relationships matter deeply to me. Myth number four is self-care is selfish and indulgent. It was life-changing to me the very first time I heard the difference explained between self-care and self-comfort. Self-care practices are those practices that provide long-lasting joy, a sense of calm, a sense of fulfillment or peace, being creative, doing things that make you smile or bring down your stress level. For example, exercise or meditation or keeping a gratitude journal or investing in life-giving relationships. Self-comfort practices, on the other hand, are those things which only provide a short-term break, such as eating, drinking, screen time, or pampering activities, like going to get your nails done. Sarah Bussie is a writer that I love, and she wrote, we can't pedicure our way to resurrection. A bit of self-comfort has its place, but it's a false form of self-care. Confusing self-comfort with self-care can be disastrous. On the other hand, self-care awakens us. It's the self-care that we would give to someone we love. There is nothing wrong with a little self-comfort. I love me a well-written, intriguing show on Netflix, but I know that it does not provide me with lasting peace or joy. It's a momentary distraction, which is nice. To an extreme, self-comfort practices can just lead to numbing out, and to really extreme place would be addiction. This doesn't serve us at all. Practicing self-care actually means that you care about being the healthiest mom or parent that you can be. Think about the way you feel about your very best friend or your child, how much you care, how much you would do anything for them. Think about that, about you. Turn that to on you. You want to be strong physically and mentally and emotionally, able to build resilience and withstand Adversity and challenges, because you've had a few, you know that more are coming. It is a part of life. For many of us, our children will be our responsibility for their whole lives, our whole lives. We must participate in practices that sustain us for the long haul. Myth number five, it's my last myth. I am a good mother if I'm a warrior mom and I never break down or cry. Motherhood is beautifully exhausting and it's exhilarating and it's exasperating and it's enlightening. It's a dichotomy of total extremes, the highest highs and the lowest lows, intense joy and crazy frustration. Why is it only okay to talk about the joy, acknowledge the joy and shush away the sad self-care? It's not just about practices that sustain you. It's also about practices that propel you to thrive. And it is about taking care of your heart and your emotional life. To me, this is a newer revelation, or maybe just something that I've ignored. And after we had our first virtual retreat for, we are brave together. That was my big takeaway that I don't really stop enough to take care of my emotions. Why do we think that grieving is synonymous with not believing in our child? Why do we think that hope and sadness and joy cannot coexist together? That's a false belief. It's not either or, but both and. Feeling sad about our child's delayed milestones, for example, does not mean We aren't holding out hope and doing everything we can to help them progress forward. Grieving does not mean that you are not grateful for the life lessons you have learned and the beauty that you see in your child or in this life, even though it's difficult and complex and altered. As a self-admitted emotion stuffer, me, (laughs) I'm telling myself, the same thing, giving ourselves permission to feel, is an act of self-care. It is not weakness because the emotions go somewhere. I remember when I was in college, I studied psychology, and the professor would say, your feelings go somewhere, and it stuck with me. If you talk to some veteran special needs moms, moms of adult children who've been on this journey for decades and they're also recovering stuffers. They will say that often they feel like their physical ailments are linked to not giving themselves t- permission to feel because they were on the war path not in, I don't mean that in a bad way or a negative hostile way, but like they were on a mission to take care of their child and do everything for their child. They didn't have stop to feel to feel. they didn't have time to feel but the feelings go somewhere. And if we do not stop and notice and feel and talk about, share with a trusted friend or a therapist, journal, maybe talk to a life coach, if needed, this can counter our other self-care efforts that we're taking. Dr. Mark Brackett, who wrote Permission to Feel, Unlocking the Power of Emotions to Help Our Kids, Ourselves, and Our Society Thrive, he says, most of us are unaware of how important vocabulary is to emotion skills. As we've seen, using many different words implies valuable distinctions, that we're not always simply angry but are sometimes annoyed, irritated, frustrated, disgusted, aggravated, and so on. If we can't discern the difference, it suggests we can't understand it either. It's the difference between a rich emotional life and an impoverished one. Your child will inherit the one you provide. Wow, right? Do we really stop to think about our emotional skills? (laughs) Probably not enough. He goes on to say, Dr. Mark Brackett, he goes on to say, Again, the necessary skills. The first step is to recognize what we're feeling. The second step is to understand what we've discovered, what we're feeling and why. The next step is to properly label our emotions, meaning not just call ourselves happy or sad, but to dig deeper and identify the nuances and intricacies of what we feel. The fourth step is to express our feelings, to ourselves first, and then when, when right to others, the final step is to regulate, as we've said, not to suppress or ignore our emotions, but to use them wisely to achieve desired goals. And I would say some of our desired goals is to be in a really healthy place emotionally, and to have that place of acceptance, and gratitude and peace about our story and our child's story. I want to remind you that our worth as special needs parents is not dependent on where we are on the coping, feeling, or grieving spectrum. We have worth because we are human beings. I am sure it's a radical thought to you, but you actually matter the most. your family you the caregiver matter the most if you are unbuckled and therefore fly out of the car onto the pavement you can no longer serve your child leadership guru john c maxwell says if you don't realize that you have genuine value and that you are worth investing in then you will never put in the time and effort needed to grow to your potential. We must believe that when we take good care of ourselves, as in the tender, compassionate, and intentional care that we would give our own child or our spouse or our partner or our very best friend, we are likely to see an improvement in mindset, energy, our mental, emotional, and physical health, our relationships, and our resilience we must take good care of ourselves and if we see an improvement in all these areas not right away not instantly not necessarily after a month or six months it's time it's over time it's baby steps it's bite-sized moments of loving self-care we will then be truly able to serve as a pillar of support for our families I do believe that. Thanks so much. I see you. You are loved. Happy New Year. Friends, thank you so much for listening today. Like I said, Happy New Year. I hope that this was a little spot of inspiration to start your year. I leave you with this quote that I shared already, but I think it's worth it repeating self-care is not indulgent or decadent it is a necessity that is by Susanna Peace Lavelle please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already leave a review and a rating it means so much to us and share with other moms other special needs moms who need support and resources and inspiration and to feel like they are not alone please spread the word we'll drop New episodes every Wednesday, and from time to time, we do drop bonus episodes. If you have not joined the community of We Are Brave Together, please do so by going to our website, wearebravetogether.com, and fill out the little pop up form. And if you're enjoying this podcast, if you've been listening for a while, and you would like to donate to keep it going, we would so appreciate that. You can go to the same website, wearebravetogether.com and go to the donate page, have a beautiful day.